Greetings from the Long Island Sound podcast. Welcome to the show. Please rate, review, and comment on the show. And call our listener line and leave a message for our guests. Dial 631-800-3579. All right, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Long Island Sound Podcast, where we explore the muse and the music from the North Shore to the South Shore, from New York City to the Hamptons, navigating the wellspring of original music from singer-songwriters and musicians from Long Island, New York. Hi, I'm Steve Yusko from GigDestiny.com. Stay tuned as we explore the Long Island Sound. Listen up and lock in your attention. Have I got an episode for you today? Nico Payton is a fantastic singer-songwriter, very talented with an extremely beautiful voice. You'll be impressed by her enthusiastic work ethic. Her songs are both poignant and deep and very entertaining. She has some great tips on how to be successful in the music business, and she leads by example. Let's take a listen to Pirate Queen. shattered little heart and I will love all the worst parts and I will hold your pain in my mouth and I will speak until the words can come out of you you have taught me what it is to care and you have given So much more than what's fair You reeled me in When I was overboard A long time ago You stopped keeping score Keeping score I will be your 
I was introduced to Nico Patton by Rory Kelly, another fantastic guest on the podcast. I was told she has a big and gorgeous voice, and after listening to her music, this absolutely rings true. The Long Island Waters have had their rum runners and pirates, but we lacked a pirate queen, at least until today. Nico Patton's songs celebrate the strength of the fierce, brave women in her life. She was born and raised in a musical family on Long Island, and Nico has built up a supportive local following. She tirelessly performed around the East Coast, relentlessly delivering her music. She is considered a true folk rock gypsy. Nico has performed everywhere from concert halls to farmer's markets, living rooms to dive bars, backyards to street corners, <gasps> coffee houses to fancy restaurants, and everywhere in between. Her music and voice have been compared to the likes of Alanis Morissette, one of my favorites, Brandy Carlisle, and Carol King. Hey, welcome to the Long Island Sound, Nico. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Hey, it's great, great. This is our first morning session. Uh, so, Good morning. So we'll see how we do. Uh, actually, the energy is always better for me in the morning anyway. So um, so glad to have you. As I said, Rory uh, Rory busted my chops and said, hey, you don't have enough gals on this. So I was happy to get introduced to you. So you're number four. So um, I have a fairly good balance of uh, the gender so far. Great. Amazing. So, t- so tell me. Uh, so you come obviously in the bio from a musical family. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you were coerced to pick up an instrument. So so give me some background on how it came about. Sure. I would not use the word coerced, <laughs> although my mom is a, she was a school music teacher and then she kind of got her uh, administrative degree and went up the ranks and became the boss of all the music and art teachers in, in one school district in Farmingdale. So um, she was for sure very, very involved in arts and arts education. And she, on the side, was always a piano teacher, and she's also a professional church organist. So um, my mom taught piano students in our house, so it was really sort of a no-brainer that we, her children, would also take piano lessons. So she did the first year for my older brother and myself, and then she realized it's really hard to teach your own kids piano because they don't really feel like it's an official lesson because it's your mom. So then she started getting us uh, piano instructors and so I you know from that time so I think maybe I was four when I began piano so that was my first instrument my father is a guitarist not a professional but just a you know a very skilled uh, amateur with a really good ear and a passion for music my mom has the classical music side you know um, certainly in our home lots of classical music was played and then my dad was the rock folk pop he was a big Beatles fan, Eagles, Simon Garfunkel, all those kinds of uh, classic rock, classic folk singer-songwriters. And so I got, you know, their two musical backgrounds um, as, yeah, two, as, you as got a big two, influence. Two forceful pillars, yeah, supporting you. That's sure. great. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like a, a, an interesting balance, the classical. And then the I, I would say classical and casual <laughs> which, yeah, which is which is which is kind of <laughs> cool you know um it's it's nice to have that yin and yang of music mm-hmm. uh, as a foundation so let me ask you this what what are your what are your favorite artists uh that oh, influenced that's, you that's so hard i mean i always say i like to listen to good music <laughs> i i really truly love many things and many genres so of, of course it started with 
you know, my dad's CD collection, but um, I was a 90s kid, so I, I grew up with I, a lot of female singer-songwriters that I loved, like Alanis Morissette and Fiona Apple and Jewel. Um, I loved, back in the 90s, I loved Ben Folds Five and Dave Matthews Band. Um, my preference is more towards real instruments mm-hmm. rather than things that are uh, created electronically. Not that I don't have respect for people who create music electronic- electronically. Certainly there's an art to that. Um, for me, I love the sound of a real violin, a real guitar, um, etc. And then, you know, currently in the in the past 20 years, since 2000, there's lots and lots of pop and rock and R&B and all kinds. I mean, I, it's just the way a song hits me. I love that song that Paul McCartney did with Rihanna and Kanye West. I mean, it, it's really what, you know... Um, what inspires me when I when I listen to it? I I love to go see orchestras play. Mm. I love to go to the opera. I love to see musical theater. I'm actually writing a musical, so I. It's really for me not about a particular genre as much as it is. I really really love beautiful music in many many different forms. Yeah, that's that's one of the things I noticed about your music, having absorbed the past couple of days and. I really don't like to pigeonhole people into, oh, they're a country singer, they're this singer, and so on and so forth. I think it's kind of uh, confining. One of the songs that really kind of jumped out at me, uh, and we're not going to hear it today, so it's a teaser for our audience to go check it out, and it was the song you did, White Flag, (laughs) uh, which you can find on Spotify and Apple and all the great places. And just as a side note, anybody we talk about or any of your links are going to be in the chapter marks of the podcast. So podcast listeners... Really kind of take a look. You want to take a deeper dive into who we're talking about and these other songs. Boom, go right to the chapter marks and you'll have a link to be able to jump to it. But I was listening to White Flag and it's an acapella piece. And I just I got a comment because it was like it brought me to church, not the institution nor the building, mm. but to a to a, a place feeling. of presence. And, mm. and um, uh it was it was very remarkable and very very touching to me. Well, I'm did gonna... you know we recorded it in a church? Come on, we did. It did not. Yeah, I wanted a room that had that was very live. I really wanted a lot of natural reverb, and mm-hmm. so I, I convinced this priest that I knew to allow myself and eight singers and a recording engineer to go and record there, and that's that's what we did. And then that recording with those eight singers, one of the gals who sang the soprano part gave it to her high school choral director. He did it with his chorus, and then from there, the video kind of went viral in some choral director groups on Facebook, and it has now, that piece has been sung by choirs across the United States and Canada. Amazing. It's amazing. And they paid me for it. I mean, amazing. even better. (laughs) I I, I know that it's been stolen, too. That's a thing that happens with sheet music. Yeah. With shame on those people, but um, I, I have been paid for choirs to sing my like a real composer. It's very that is so, That is so cool. And that's what, you know, one of the reasons for the Long Island Sound podcast is really to put another platform out there for people to discover. I'm discovering things that I never would have heard. I listen to WFUV all the time, which gives me a good mix of um, different genres. Uh, but I would never run into Rory Kelly or you or, or other people. And, and I'm telling you, and I've used this term before, Long Island has such a wellspring of talented people 
And if this can be a platform to help expose the art, it's great. You never know what's gonna, so cool. where it's going to end up. So what I'm going to see is if I'm going to look up that YouTube video of the coral work, and we'll we'll plug that into a, a yeah, chapter. Yeah, the, the, the one the one that was like a little viral, which was really great, was there was this um, group in Winnipeg, Canada, called uh, the Winnipeg Youth Chorus or Winnipeg Youth Choir, and they they sang it on their their summer tour a couple of years ago. I think it's. Was at a at a, a place called Peace by Chocolate. I could send you a link to it. All right, but cool. it's, it's a very sweet video of these teenagers singing it. It's very cool. That's really neat. So let's. I, I'm interested between the time in your life when you have these influences from mom and dad, and then you take the direction of your life. Um, mm -hmm. So you, you, did you study music in school? I mean, where did you yeah. kind of? How did things come come about for you? So I got really involved in high school with doing. Um, musical theater, and then I got involved with a voice teacher who really wanted me to be an opera singer. That was that was his path, um, and he felt that my voice, he could really make me a star at the Metropolitan Opera. Um, and our relationship was a little messed up. Like, if you if you imagine the, the relationship in that movie about the jazz drummer, what's that movie oh, called? Yeah. Oh, I know the one you're talking about. I love that movie, and of course, I can't remember it, but yeah, that was that was freaky. It was very dysfunctional, it, right. you know, and he, he believed in my voice a lot, but it was a very dysfunctional relationship. And mm. so I went into um, studying to be an opera singer really out of his desire. So I went to um, a music school that's pretty, you know, well known for music. It's Ithaca College. I studied uh, classical vocal performance. That was the track that I was on. When I graduated college in 2007, the plan was that I was going to take a gap year, study with my teacher here on Long Island several times a week, really intense, and audition for um, uh, what you do as an opera singer. The next step is to get a master's degree in vocal performance. Mm. Um, and then you go on and you do apprenticeships with opera companies, etc. cetera. But um, during that time, I started to really get more honest about what I wanted from my life and I read this really pivotal book called The Artist's Way which was huge huge for me and seminal and um, after reading The Artist's Way I really had a, a large realization that I did not really want to be an opera singer for my life that I really wanted to sing music that I had written myself and that I really was interested in exploring other genres and other things and so I Broke up with that voice teacher. It was very, it was very dramatic. Mm. Gotcha. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I, I, I actually took a year off. I took a year um, off of singing. I was doing some other things. I was teaching theater in at the Merrick Theater and Center for the Arts. I was teaching acting and playwriting. And, and then they were like, you know, you have this degree in vocal performance. Maybe you could teach some singing. <laughs> I was like, okay, fine. And these little kids with their enthusiasm and their passion would come into my classroom and say, Miss Nico, are we going to sing today? And I would you know, kind of go, oh, right, singing is fun. And so that was when I started to go to some open mics and I started to remember that I had written songs as a teenager that I hadn't really shown people. And I started to kind of reclaim that piece of my musical self. And that's when I started playing my original music at, at open mics. I started, you know, going around with a, a friend who played guitar and I would sing and he would play. And then I started to get better. I was, I was always okay at guitar, but I started to really practice and take lessons and get better at guitar. And start playing my original music out and then that that kind of um really took off from there and then I, I i did not release my first ep of original music until 2013 so it took me a couple of years to sort of develop that aspect because I, I had spent all of this time and all of this energy 
developing as an opera singer, you know, and I, and mm. I had taken lots of theater classes while I was at Ithaca, so I had this kind of theater thing that I was doing sort of in the background. Um, but, you know, I was developing my songwriter identity at that time. And, yeah. uh, and then it, you know, has resulted in me writing things and recording things and releasing things and all, all, of, the, all of the stuff that's followed. So that's, that's <laughs> when you became the pirate queen. I, I suppose that was that was that, that was that was her the beginnings. pivotal moment. Yeah, <laughs> break up with the opera coach and become a pirate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let's let's talk, let's let's talk about uh, the first song that we heard on the lead in Pirate Queen. Tell me about that, how that came about, and um, it's part of an album. Uh, yeah. And, so yeah. So let us know. Pirate Queen was the nickname that some of my friends slash very devoted fans like. Friends, if you will, <laughs> had begun to sort of refer to me as. Um, there was a popular open mic um, in Valley Stream, and I, you know, I would attend it. I would, I would play gigs at that coffee house. It was called Sip This. It actually closed in COVID, unfortunately. But that group of people, my fans began to call me. I don't know how it emerged. The Pirate Queen of the Misfit Toys. My fans. Friends are usually sort of a, an unusual amalgamation of people who are unique and different and interesting and weird. And so I became, I don't know how, the Pirate Queen of the Misfit Toys. And I really got interested in that idea of what is a Pirate Queen? You know, what, what is a, how is a Pirate Queen different than a regular Pirate Or a regular king? Queen. Right. Uh, or a regular queen, right? A lot, a lot of directions you can go with that. <laughs> yeah, so many directions. So I started reading about pirate queens from history. I started reading about Grace O'Malley from um, from 16th century Ireland and what she did. And, you know, I mean, she's certainly somebody who de defies gender conventions, but she's also someone who, as a woman, is going to be protective of people, maybe in a way that men would not think to be. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know my thought about my relationship with those friends and those fans is that I am going to be my loudest, weirdest, sort of most unusual self unabashedly with a lot of bravery and without, you know, without shame or fear. And that what I create is an umbrella for everyone else to do the same. And that's really what I want my music to be about. And it's really my whole ethos of everything that I do, all the um, music students that I teach and all the fans that are fans of my music and even I host an open mic now and it, you know what I'm trying to create is this umbrella for people to safely express themselves and be who they are and so to me that's that's what a pirate queen really is because the world sometimes isn't so friendly to that the world sometimes says live inside this cookie cutter of what you you're supposed to be and I think that a lot of people feel that pressure to live inside a, a particular set of directions of, of how you're supposed to do life. And I just want to give people a little bit more room, you know? You know, what, so, you know what's interesting, and I'm, I, I've, I've heard this, you're the third musician that I've interviewed that truly has a mission statement that they mm -hmm. live by with their music. My, I don't know if you know Mike, Mike Nugent, you know? I do, yeah. Uh, Mike's a great guy. And Mike, one of the things Mike said to me very early on is, you know, is is basically I'm I'm here to bring happiness, you know, mm -hmm. and joy. And then Rory certainly has has a mission statement as well. And, and you're the Absolutely. third one. And, and and I'm telling you, 
just just from the energy, uh, it makes it different, and it shows the passion for what you do and and what you create. And uh, I think it's different too if an artist is thinking about how they can serve and how they can be of service to others, rather than about them. As I think art can it, mm. it can really be this beautiful thing where you help other people have some kind of catharsis or some kind of balm or some kind of comfort or some kind of getting in touch with their feelings and having a good cry. Like, that's a service. And I think that when an artist is self-centered and just thinking about how they sound and how they look, not that I don't think about how I sound or how I look, sure, of course, but when that's the focus, then it's, it, then it's, it's not, then the audience isn't going to connect to it as much because it's all about you. It's not about them. I think that the best art is truly about the audience and certainly the art from the artist that I love the most, that's... That's what they do. That's that's yeah. It's how it can be it can, it can be uh, the unintended consequences. It's very confining. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's do this. I want to take a, a quick break, and when I come back, I want to talk about um, the muse, how you approach music. I want to get into the second song, and I'm really interested on how you uh, how you create. So uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Hi, Steve Yusko from Gig Destiny here. Well, as you're probably listening to this podcast, you're probably thinking about that musician who would make a fantastic guest here on the Long Island Sound. Well, we'd like to hear their story. We'd like to hear their music. So have them reach out to us at gigdestiny.com and we'll explore their craft. Now, back to our podcast. Hey, everybody. We are back with Nico Padden, and I'm really enjoying our conversation. And I'm always curious... Uh, you have such an interesting background and perspective on music, uh, and it's very it's very refreshing to be honest with you. Oh, I'm glad. And I believe the audience is always curious on how you approach the craft or the muse to create the songs that you mm-hmm. sing. So tell me about it. Well, for me, it always starts with something that I can't define. There's always the impulse that comes from somewhere. I don't know where. I don't exactly know what I believe in. God or the universe or goddess or the great beyond. Something. Mm -hmm. Something that I tap into, that I feel connected to. Like, let's just say if I go to the beach and I look at the ocean and it's so much bigger than I am, that makes me feel small in a good way. Like, that that there's something bigger spiritually in the universe that I can connect to. And that, that is usually where the impulse begins is that I've got a feeling about something, a, a, a stirring about something, an inkling about something, and I'll, I'll just, a melody will appear in my mind as though hmm. drop, dropped from somewhere. I have no idea where. Um, often it'll happen for me like early in the morning, like right when I wake up. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it'll happen if I'm driving. Lots of like kind of not super mindful activities. Like a, driving, I can really do on, on autopilot, so that that kind of autopilot activity. If I'm cleaning the floor, or, or if I'm, you know, walking the dog, some, something like that, where it's, it, you don't have to think too hard, and your brain can just kind of wander. I'll get a melody, and I'll begin with one little melody. Usually, that's the hook of the song. It'll just drop into my head, and that is my job then to get to the piano, get to the guitar, get to the instrument, and then develop it. And mostly how I do it is I sing it over and over again. Mm -hmm. And then I sing sometimes lots of bad lines, lots of things that are not 
that uh, not going to make the cut. Uh, you really have to write from a place of not editing at the right. first. If you if you're editing when you're writing, you're gonna you're gonna 100%. never gonna write a song. Hundred percent, hundred percent agree. So would you say and and most of the time it's the music first and then the lyrics or do you have it, for me it's always the melody and the okay. and the words together. They're like that's how it be, the impulse begins with a a, a hook. That is words and melody. So are you a sole proprietor on your music and lyrics, or do you collaborate? Uh, in... No, no collaboration. Just all right, it's me. all you, baby. All right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just me. And so, the, and then I, so then I work to develop it, and I work to finish it. And of course, I've you know done some things working on learning about song structure, and you know, so what what kind of song structure do I want to use? How do I want to you know? develop this and, and that's something that you know writing my musical I've kind of worked on because mm -hmm. musicals have some different structural things about them than pop songs and so how do I how do I develop this and that's where the sweat really happens <laughs> now yeah I, 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 I spoke to one guest a guy named uh, Nelson Montana and and uh, he's a producer and a singer and great guy and he you know his position is you know arranging is is a big part of the lift to mm -hmm, create a absolutely. song is that something you you uh take control of as well or do you bring it to you know the studio and say this is what i've got planned out and now um help help me uh kind of uh expand on it how do you I, I'm, it? I'm pretty opinionated and and um <laughs> uh i would say 80 percent of the arranging is me going this is this is how i want to have it be done okay. um and then certainly kevin kelly who is my recording collaborator i've worked with some other collaborators as well will come up with an amazing idea and, uh, and say what about adding this or what about adding that or i'll say i'm thinking about these things what do you think um and then we get great musicians to you know play instruments that i don't play like mandolin or um kevin actually played some great rock organ mm -hmm. on some of the songs on my um on my album so you know it's Certainly, I do collaborate somewhat in terms of arrangement, but for the most part, I know in my mind what I want it to be and, and how I want it to be, and I would say I'm, I'm mostly in charge of it. Interesting. So let's talk about uh, our second song, Mother and Father, and uh, introduce that. Give me some little background, and then we'll let our audience get a gander at it. So I lived with my grandmother for the last five years of her life, from 2012 mm -hmm. to 2017. Um, and then when I got married, my husband moved in with us. It was very a sweet arrangement. It was like three's company, but with a 98-year-old woman. Mm. Um, and when she passed away, I really strongly felt how precious it is to have the people that are your blood with you mm. and um, how important it is to savor that time. I, and I think a lot, of, a lot of people that I know who are my age you know, have a resentments or things that they wish their parents had done differently, etc. And, you know, certainly it's not that I don't have any of those things, but I think that I, when my grandmother died, I realized how, you know, how much I would miss my parents when they're gone, you know? And mm. um, so I, I, that impulse came from the idea of, wow, like my parents have given me so much of who I am you know my, my I have from my mom this strong classical music background and also my just I'm like a dog with a bone I just won't stop until I get what I want that's my mom 
Um, also, she's like a real, she's a real performer. She loves everyone to look at her. And obviously, I mean, here we are. But this is not something <laughs> I do. And my dad is this person who will like sit in a corner and have a thoughtful, deep conversation with one person for the whole party. And I have that too. That's, I mean, if you don't have that, you're not a songwriter, you know? True, like right. there are people who are just performers and not songwriters because they don't want to, like, I, I want to be alone writing a song a lot more than a lot of normal people. And that's, that's definitely, like my dad will like sit around and write a story about a family of pigeons. Like, I, you, who, <laughs> like who even knows? You know, he, he is very like thoughtful and deep. So, um, so the two of them, I mean, that's, that's how I became a singer songwriter, you know, and, and how I became a singer songwriter in the genres where I am. So I, you know, so much of their, who they are and their personalities and, and, and cer certainly all of the blood, sweat and tears that they gave to try to, I mean, everything about what they've done is to try to make their children's lives good, you know? Wow, and great. so that, that is where the impulse came from is like, I am the two of them. And I want to appreciate them while, while they're here, you know? Wonderful. So let's take a listen to Mother and Father, and then we'll be right back. My mother, she takes over every room. She is made of rocket fuel. She is my mother. And my father, he is poetry and stillness. He is made out of forgiveness. He is my father And everything I am I stole from them Every play in my book Every chorus, every hook Everything I am I stole from them And I have taken More than my share of second chances and the grace that I've been granted, I don't deserve it. But I'll use it. I'll take this stardust I've been given. I will shape it into a vision of love and care. And everything I am, I stole from them. Every play in my book, every chorus, every Everything I am, I stole from them Everything I am, 
We're back. What a great song. Really so nice to have you honoring your parents in song. It really makes it eternal. Which I think oh, they is, love it. My, it. Every gig that my, they come to, my mom's like, you going to play the song about me? <laughs> and know. notice she's like, the song about me, not the song about dad and me. Right, right, right. Because, you know, dad's just, you know, dad's had a small contribution to your life. Mom's really... As my wife tells my daughter, Faith, you know, the amount of hours of labor uh, expand every year from, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. 15 to 28. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so tell me about what, you know, I was really impressed by uh, in your bio. I mean, you've played everywhere and, and, and you really uh, sound like a hardworking lady out there. So uh, tell us about what, what, do you, what do you have coming up? Um, you know, where do you play? What do you do when you're not teaching? You know, so I have two original music gigs that are coming up. The first one is a songwriter round. I started this series at Mr. Beery's in Beth Page. It's a songwriter round night and it's on Sunday nights and it's, you know, myself. And then I get three other songwriters and we do like a Nashville style where everybody sits on a bench and we just go one, 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 one. And we go around a couple times. I love that because you really get to hear different songwriters and their, you know, their different craft of their songs. And it's such a nice vibe for everybody to be on stage together. So that's uh, Sunday, June 5th at Mr. Beery's. I think the doors are going to be at 7.30 and it's a no cover but pass the hat gig for the songwriters. So Wonderful. would love to have some folks come and hear some good songs. I'm going to be with some songwriters that I like, Mike Longo and Pete Mancini and Ann O'Rourke. Um, so that's going to be a fun night. And then I am going to be playing with my semi-full band. Actually, Rory Kelly plays bass for me. And uh, my friend Mark Rouser is going to be playing some percussion. And we are going to be doing a night of original music at the Merrick Library. That is going to be on Thursday, June 30th. Um, I think that that is at 7 p.m. And it's going to be outdoors at the Merrick Library. And I will attempt to play the entirety of Pirate Queen. I think that's going to be the set list. And we're, so we're, happy to, we're happy to put all the events up on gigdestiny.com. We'll talk about sharing a Google calendar where you can put all your stuff up. Amazing. And it's a there's, small, and there's one more. All, I'll, all right. <laughs> I'll let you go, and then I'm going to tell you how small of a world it is in a moment. Amazing. So the third one is that I'm going to be playing at the Pine Barrens Jam, which is a big Long Island music festival. That is going to be on Saturday, August 20th at the Blue Point Brewing Company. It's a multi-stage music festival. I'm going to be on the Travis McKennedy... Travis McKeveny songwriter stage and um, I don't know what time I'll play but I will be playing full band and it's going to be awesome excellent excellent now it's a small world because I was in Boy Scouts troop 159 159 with Stephen Beery and he was my big protector get out Oh no my shit. goodness! No that shit. Is I funny. know. I know. I know him well. So yes. when you when you when you you talk to Steve and Beery, and hopefully I can make it to your performance uh, there, uh, he'll tell you some stories. Yeah, that's how old I am, and I'm an old man. <laughs> He's a big supporter of Long Island local music. Absolutely, and they're few and far between. So mm-hmm. we always like. So now, 
now that you know him, you've got to uh, throw some guilt out there because I really want him to be a guest. Uh, I could probably do 10 podcasts with him. He could tell a lot of stories. Yes. All right. (laughs) Let's get Mr. Beery on your show. So thank you for sharing all those things. We'll have all those events up on gigdestiny.com. Happy to share it with everybody. Um, Let's talk about um, the third song, um, Burning Rome to the Ground. Tell me Mm -hmm. about that, and we'll, we'll jump into that song. Sure. So Burning Rome has three verses. Um, The first uh, impulse of that song came when I was driving home from a music conference um, where I won't name any names, but there is a man who bothers some of the young ladies at this conference and in this community. And Mm. I spoke up and reported him to the president (laughs) Um, because because he's definitely, you know, he's a person who is older who spends a lot of time bothering women who are 20 to 30 years younger than he is. And, you know, when you're a young woman at a conference, you are very much trying to get yourself in front of bookers. And some people who have some booking power will say, oh, I can get you this gig and I can get you that gig and I can help you in such and such way. And then when they take it to a place where in order for you to be getting some of those things that you want from the person they they want certain things from you, it's really not cool. So, yeah. um, I, you know, I I definitely have really good antenna for that type good of for you. bullshit. And so I, you know, I mean, I have nothing to do with this guy, but I'm really concerned about young women who don't know him. And certainly we female musicians, there's the idea of a whisper campaign. Like I can tell every female musician I know, Hey, stay away from so-and-so. He is not what he says. Yeah. He's, he's a, he's a groomer is going to try and take advantage of you. That is exactly what he is. He's a groomer. He is, you know, going to try to tell you that he's going to get you some performance opportunities that he's not going to get you. That's probably a little bit of narcissism tied in there. Uh, uh, (laughs) Just totally yucky and gross. Good for you. I am worried about young women who maybe don't have as good antenna as I have. Right. For that sort of thing. And I don't want anybody to be in, put in a situation where they are uncomfortable. So I reported him to the president of this organization. And I was driving home, filling my gas tank. And I was like, ooh, I'm burning Rome to the ground. And that was where the hook came from. And that was where that impulse came from. And so that's, I'm the second verse. That's me about my story of like learning to find my voice that that's a whole nother podcast we could take an hour to, about me learning to find my voice with creepy men in the music industry um well i won't do that <laughs> the the first verse then came later and i wrote it about a friend of mine in college who was in it started as an emotionally abusive relationship it became a physically abusive relationship mm. my friends and i had to take her to the police to get a restraining order it was a whole big to do Um, And so the first verse is her story of getting herself out of that physically abusive situation. And then I was looking for something because I I wanted it to be this feeling of females. Empowerment. um, Yeah, women coming together Mm -hmm. to, to break down things about the system that aren't working so well. And so I was you know, doing a little research and thinking about, okay, like, you know, what women in current culture or in history could I kind of draw from? And I stumbled upon this group of women called the Mothers of the Movement. And it's this group of seven black women, all of 
whose children were killed at the hands of police. Mm. And um, they are basically responsible for beginning the Black Lives Matter movement. Okay, and I great. thought, wow, they're super you know, powerful and they, they have done a lot of media things and have been really um, instrumental in, in organizing. And I, so that is where the third, the third verse came from, is from these women who've had this most unimaginable, uh, unthinkable um, tragedy that is totally, could be prevented. Wow. And um, have come together in this act, this big activist way. That's so beautiful. Well, you've given us a lot to digest about the song. So let's jump right into it. And uh, we'll be right back after Burning Rome to the Ground. She has what she needs She won't come back anymore He had a taste from violence And she was done playing mouse No longer scared of the silence On giving in to doubt She's burning home to the ground
Hey everybody, we are back. Burning Rome to the Ground has a lot of aspects to it. It's very deep. It has some different meaning for me. For those who know me will know why. <laughs> it's amazing what, what a song can do uh, where it can become uh, somewhat a, 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 a screenplay in your mind, you know. So mm -hmm. and, and you bring attention to people doing good work, doing God's work, really, <laughs> to be honest with mm. you. So mm -hmm. um, thanks for telling us about what you've got coming up. I really want... I'm, I'm telling you, I don't say this about every guest. You gotta discover Nico's music because it's absolutely the coolest music that I've heard in a while. Thank you. And uh, it's very refreshing, and it's 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 Americana. I can't even put, I can't even put my finger on it. I don't know. I'm kind of rambling here, but I really enjoy your music, and I I have to discover more of it uh, as I drive around and work at my real job. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I really so appreciate I that. So I end my podcast this way, uh, and a good friend told me this. He said, you know, we can account for what we have in our bank accounts, what we own. We can never account for how much time we have on this earth, and the fact that uh, you gave me an hour of your time, uh, it's much appreciated. So, Aw, thanks. <laughs> right. I was, I was very happy to Great. do so. Give me some other guests. I'd love to have you back, uh, and I'll see you out, out and about playing your live music. Maybe I'll go to Mr. Beery's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come see Mr. Beery. All right. All right, until next time, take care, everybody. All right, thanks so much. Thank you for joining us today. I appreciate the time you spent with us. Please subscribe and comment and visit us at gigdestiny.com. Till next time, be generous with your joy, keep your spirits high, and let the music take you on a journey. Be well. Peace. Thanks so much for listening. Please rate, review, and comment on the show. We really love to hear from you. And call our listener line at 631-800-3579. Again, thanks so much. Be well.